So we're going to begin with a prayer. So let's pray. Oh Father, let it seem good in your sight for us to see the Lord Jesus this morning. All things are delivered to Him by the Father. No one knows the Son but the Father. And no one knows the Father but the Son. And the one to whom the Son will reveal Him. Do that for us, Lord. Reveal Yourself to us in this message this morning as we look into Your Word. And we see the salvation of this criminal that was crucified with You. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Lord, let us see You through the eyes of this dying criminal. He suffered death, the Lord Jesus did, and purchased for us an eternal life. So we're going to read, amen. We're going to read um, at the top of that sheet. says deathbed conversion. We're going to read these verses. Probably the first half of the sheet there. Mark 15, verse 27 and 28. It says, And with him, that is with the Lord Jesus, they crucified two thieves. The one on the right hand and the other on the left. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, He was numbered with the transgressors. Then Isaiah 53.12 Wherefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he has poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Then in Matthew 27 verse 43 and 44 He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will. Have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Then in Luke, verse 23, chapter 23, verse 32 through 44, then there were two others, malefactors, criminals, led with him, with Jesus, to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors who was hanged railed on him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. Now we come to our text. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said to Jesus, 
Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Verily or truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour or noon, according to the way that the Jews counted time. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Well, sinners get their due. This is a a conversation between three dying people that are hanging at a crossroads on on crosses and they're naked. We see that. They've cast, cast lots for the garments. They're naked there. They're humiliated. They have to pull up with their hands and push up on their feet and the parts that are nailed to the cross just to be able to breathe. And we get to overhear what they're saying. We get to eavesdrop, as it were. Jesus really doesn't talk to anybody. I mean, He talks. He, he says some things and He talks to the Father, but He really doesn't talk to people except for John and his mother and this thief. are the only people that He really talks to. They've all three had to carry their crosses up the hill to Calvary. The hill of the skull. Jesus had to have help. He was so weak from being beaten. So both thieves we read there in Matthew began the crucifixion ridiculing Jesus. Saying things against Him. But in the first three hours of His crucifixion there on the cross one thief has a change of heart. One thief goes from a convicted sinner to a confirmed saint. He is marvelously and divinely saved. So, how did this happen? How did this guy who started out this day casting things in Jesus' teeth end up being saved? How did he understand these things in three hours? He encountered the Lord Jesus. He was with the Lord. The Holy Spirit gave this guy a new birth. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to him. But the Father in heaven did. He was born again while he was dying. This is a deathbed conversion. As far as I know, it's the only one recorded in the Scripture. I mean, there's always hope for a person until they, until they die. But listen, don't wait till the end before you make a commitment to Christ and trust in Him. Don't put off that time. Today's the day of salvation. If you hear His voice, trust Him. Come to Him. Don't harden your heart as in the day of provocation in the wilderness. Let's see what this guy knows about salvation. I mean, we always talk about him as an example of, well, maybe he was saved, maybe he wasn't, you know. He didn't have any time. He didn't have time to do anything. His hands are pinned to wood and his feet are pinned to wood and what's he going to do? There's no works coming out of this guy. But he was a preacher extraordinaire. He was a preacher on a pole. A dying man who just got saved. 
And he speaks to the other criminal, the other sinner. And then he speaks to the Lord Jesus. So hear what the dying preacher says. Let's see what he knows. First he says, verse 40, Fear God. Listen, do you fear God? Each of us is only a heartbeat away from meeting God. Entering into eternity. Where we'll meet Him and have to stand before Him. Fear, honor, reverence for God is the only rational thing to do. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Fear God is to acknowledge His claim on your life. You owe Him your life. It came from Him. We're indebted to Him for beginning our lives, for continuing our lives, for our existence, for the time in which we'll die, and for our eternity and our state after death. Fear God. Your life is in His hands. Fear God. Your eternity is in His hands. Failure to fear God is catastrophic. We don't regard Him. Look there at Matthew 10, verse 28. I printed it. And do not fear those, these are the words of the Lord Jesus, who kill the body, that is, men and Satan. They kill the body, but they're not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear Him, fear God, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear God. This guy knows how to preach. Don't you fear God? Because He's worthy. Our lives are in His hands. He can destroy soul and body in hell. Listen. Look what He's doing to Jesus because of sin. You see Him there pinned to that cross? Forsaken of God? Naked? Humiliated? Dying with criminals? The sin of of all of God's people laid upon Him? He's become sin for us. Look what God did to him. Fear God. Turn away from your sin. Fear God, says the dying preacher. Next he says, verse 40 and 41, we indeed are justly condemned. We have a condemnation. It's just. Jesus was unjustly condemned. No one makes it to heaven thinking that you're okay. We have a sick-souled religion, as the preachers will say. Is your soul sick? Then there's a remedy for you. You can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. No one makes it to heaven thinking, God is unjust to condemn me for my sins. No, no, we're like this guy. We're in the same condemnation and we're there justly. For our sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. We are all condemned sinners who stand under a sentence of death. John 3.18, look there, I printed it, says, He who believes on Him, Jesus, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. 
because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. People do not start out their lives in neutral toward God. They start out with a deficit. They start out broken. They start out sinners. We inherited it. And we live that way. And if you die that way, you end up in hell. Justly so. Because God condemns you for that. You're condemned already. See your condition. See our condition before the Holy God. Condemned. No righteousness of our own. There's a death sentence upon us. It's a decision against our crimes. We're judged guilty. We're born into the world, condemned and guilty before God. Genesis 18.25, I printed it there. Uh, Abraham says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Good question. Does God do the right thing? Yeah, always does the right thing. What's going to happen to sinners? They're going to end up in hell. Separated from God. Justly so. We indeed justly, he said, we are condemned. And we deserve it to be condemned. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham asks. Yes, he does. Condemnation for sin is right, it's just. This thief was a notorious wicked sinner. He sees he's getting what he deserves. He deserved a death for his sin, just like we do. It's just for God to pay us off what we've earned. Here are the thief's qualifications for salvation. Are you ready? He has no good works to recommend him to God. Neither do we. And he knew it. He was getting what he deserved from God. His merit for salvation was he had none. Therefore, he shut up completely to the undeserved grace of God. Only mercy will save. The dying preacher saw his true condition before God. Condemned because of the total corruption of sin. He's unsound. He's abased. He's reached the end of himself. He's helpless. He's impotent. He has no resources. He's lost. He's ruined. It's a good place to be before God. When you're there, there's only one way to go, and that's up toward God. Proverbs 28.13, I printed it there, says, He who covers his sin shall not prosper. Agree with God about your sin. I mean, the Christians in Romania are called repenters because they constantly talk about repentance from their sins. Repent! Turn from your sin. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ignoring your sin, giving yourself a pass, saying, well, it's not so bad, cover it up, you're not fooling anybody and you're not fooling God. You're not going to prosper. Mercy is for those who confess their sins and forsake it. If we confess that we are justly condemned, God is going to deal favorably with us. Notice also in verse 41 that the dying preacher says, 
you're only getting what you deserve. The due reward of our deeds. We have to agree with God. The wages of our sin is death. And God's going to pay us off. Sin is the transgression of the law and we've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short of God's holy standard. Matthew 16.27, look there. For the Son of Man shall come in His glory, in the glory of His Father, with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. You're going to get what you deserve from God. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no other way around it. Everyone is going to be rewarded according to their works. Galatians 5, 7, and 8 printed it there says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You'll get your due reward of your deeds. So says the dying preacher. Next, Christ's kingdom is coming. So the thief recognized uh, his spiritual condition. The, The fear of God had gotten a hold of him. He knew he was justly condemned. And sinners get the due reward of their deeds. Now what does he think about Jesus? First, verse 41, he sees Jesus as blameless. That word literally means nothing, nothing improper, nothing, no injury, no wickedness, no wrong. Judas said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Three times he brought him before them and said, I don't find anything wrong with him. I want to let him go. I'll, I'll beat him and let him go. And they wouldn't do it. Pilate's wife came and said, Have nothing to do with that just man. Jesus said, I always do those things which please the Father. Boy, don't you wish you could say that? I always do those things that please the Father. He always did. He always pleased his Father. You give me five minutes and I'll take the Ten Commandments and, and, and you'll see the millions of sins that you've done. I do it to myself. Millions. How many have we done? John 8.46 Look there. It says, Which of you convinces me or convicts me of sin? Jesus' words. Con- convict me of my sin. Show me my sin. And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? This man had done nothing amiss. He's hanging between two thieves on crosses, naked, at a crossroads, being ridiculed. And he'd done nothing wrong. That's who he was. No one could convict him of sin. The religious paparazzi tried their best to do that. They followed him around everywhere he went, asking him questions, Looking for the slightest slip up. Is it okay to pay taxes to Caesar? What do you say? Uh, We caught this woman committing adultery. What do you say about the law? You know, what do we do with her? Trying to catch him in his words. They never could. In fact, they came to the point where they just turned away and wouldn't come back and ask him any more questions. 
The dying thief here is the only one standing up for the Lord Jesus. He rebukes the other criminal. Do you see that in... (laughs) Uh, Verse 40, he rebuked him. You're wrong. And look, he calls in verse 42, he calls Jesus Lord. Nobody calls Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians printed there. 1 Corinthians 12.3 Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. This guy has had an epiphany. The Holy Spirit has come upon him. Hanging there on that cross, he began cussing at Jesus, and in three hours he's converted. He sees who Jesus is and calls Him Lord. This is the Holy Spirit at work. He knows Jesus, that He's come by the Spirit of God. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He has it perfectly. Jesus is Lord. Not just a master, not just a teacher, but Lord God. And he asked to be remembered. No one has remembered this guy in a long time. He's an outcast. He's disgraced. He's forgotten. But Jesus is going to do more than just remember him. He sees Jesus as a king. Now now, now picture this. All three of them are naked on this cross and people are looking at them and it's awful. And they're bleeding and dying and hanging and can't breathe and have to lift up to breathe. And he looks over at the guy at the center cross and he sees the king. How remarkable is this? They're both dying there. And he sees into eternity. He sees the kingdom. Jesus didn't look like a king. He was robed with nakedness. And a cross was his throne and he was pegged there. And he's barely able to breathe. And his crown is thorns. And his scepter is shame and humility. You know, we pray, your kingdom come, Lord. Do you see his kingdom coming? Is it in your life? Has He touched you? Have you been born again and saved and changed? You can look with this thief and see it coming. You close your eyes in death and you open them immediately in God's kingdom with Him. This reorients our entire lives. This view of living when we look into the, with the eyes of faith as to who Jesus is. We see Jesus, it says, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. We see Jesus suffering death, crowned with glory and honor. Look and live. That's what they said to Spurgeon, the, the unknown preacher. Look and live. See him on that pole there. See him dying. You look there and you have life. He is life. Life resides in Him. The file on this dying thief 
His faith, his good works, is really small, right? He's got six hours on the cross with Jesus. But he preached a good gospel. And it was powerful. He's in extreme distress. More than than we'll ever face. Deathbed conversion. A true conversion. Powerful testimony. He's made alive in the process of dying. He sees the king and he confesses Christ and calls him Lord and wants to be remembered in Jesus' kingdom. Oh, and does Jesus remember him? Turn the page over on on your sheet there on the back. Jesus saves sinners. He came to seek and to save those which are lost. Luke 19.10 says just that. The Son of Man is come, Jesus said, to seek and to save that which was lost. Are you lost? You've got to be lost before you can be saved. You've got to be sick with sin before you can be made well. This is how the kingdom works. Well, people don't enter the kingdom of God. Sick people come into God's kingdom. Haven't you found that to be true? When you were lost, He saved you. When you were sick, He healed you. Fear God. We're justly condemned. You're going to get what you deserve from God. Jesus never sinned. Jesus is Lord. And there's a coming kingdom. And He came for lost people. Look at 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of, among whom I'm, of whom I'm chief, Paul says. I'm, I'm the worst one. Killed Christians. He came to save sinners. He's mighty to save. To save anyone who will come to Him with repentance and faith. Come to Jesus Sinners, bring your brokenness. Bring your fear of God and His punishment of your sins. Bring your just condemnation for your sins. Come knowing what you really deserve. See it there on the cross. That should be us. That's what we deserve. Not Jesus. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. He didn't come for whole people. People who are righteous, but for sick people, people sick with sin. Jesus says in verse 43, it's up at the top of that second page there. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't this the guy on the middle cross here? Who's dying? You're going to be with me in paradise today. 2 Corinthians 5.21 I printed it there. For He, God, has made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He's on the cross. He's been made sin. And He's still saving somebody. That's fantastic. Bearing the sin of all of God's people on that cross. Becoming sin for us 
who knew no sin, no sin of his own, he became sin. I mean, you can think about this for a lifetime. We'll be thinking about it in eternity. How did he do this? How could he possibly do this? Become sin for us. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. Who himself bore our sin in his own body on the tree. There is propitiation. There's a wrath of God poured out on him there. There is redemption. He's paying for sin. In his body on that tree. That we, might, that we, being dead to sin, should live under righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. He heals us from our sins. You know, you're not going to pay for one of your sins if you're in Christ. Not the past ones, the present ones, the future ones. They're all taken care of. Your slate is clean. You have perfect righteousness before God. Because of what's happening here on these, in that middle cross... This guy who bore our sins in his own body on that tree, he, he knew no sin and he became sin for us. That we can be the righteousness of God in him. Their taunt was, he saved other people. He can't save himself. But there on that cross, the complete wrath of God was poured out on Christ for the sins of his people and he did save us. From all our sins. Complete payment. Past, present, future sins. All paid for in His body on that tree. Then even as He is dying, He saves this sinner. At the very lowest point of His life. You know, He's never too busy to hear your prayers. Even while he's dying, he answers this guy's prayer. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. Never too busy. I say today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus doesn't respond to any of the taunts of the people that are taunting him from the ground. Or the other criminal either. Doesn't say anything to him. They're jeering, they're insulting. But he answers this, this prayer of this guy. Salvations of the Lord. Notice Jesus says, You'll be with me. There's no annihilation after death, there's no soul sleep, there's no purgatory. You're immediately with the Lord when you die. Immediately. You close your eyes in death and you open them in the presence of the Lord. That's the great Christian hope. When a believer departs this life, they're immediately with the Lord. 2 Corinthians printed it there. Look at that. 5.8 We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You leave your body, you're present with the Lord. Fear the one that can put body and soul in hell. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. So we shall ever be with the Lord. The thief wanted to be remembered. Instead, he got paradise. The tree of life is in the midst of the garden of God. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. 
There at the right hand of God, Christ's enemies are being made His footstool. Satan's kingdom is being defeated. The Gospel is saving every last one of God's elect people. In paradise, there's no temple. And there's no need for the Son. Look at Revelation 21, 22, and 23. And I saw no temple therein. Jesus to the angel, to John, to us. No temple in heaven. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did light it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. The place is, the place is a temple. God's presence is there. It's not, you know, uh, put a veil over your face, Moses. We can't stand the shine from you being so close to God. We're going to see Him as He is. We're going to touch Him. We're going to be with Him. No need for the Son, a temple of God. One last observation before we go. There were two thieves on the cross that day. Both were suffering. Both were convicted. Criminals, justly. Both needed forgiveness from God. Both saw the same thing. One heard and the other didn't. God saved one and He didn't save the other. The potter has the right over the clay to save whom He will. That's Romans 9.21. Luke 10, 21 and 22, printed it there, says, And that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hid these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed, for it seemed good in your sight. All things are delivered to me by my Father, and no man knows the son, who the Son is is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and to whom whom the Son will reveal Him. I mean, what a perfect example of this. Two people experiencing the exact same experience, one of them gets saved and one of them doesn't. It's all because of God. Listen, if you hear His voice respond with repentance and faith, don't harden your heart as in the provocation. This is a deathbed salvation. Don't wait for that. Don't count on that. You don't know what's going to happen. Fear God. See your just condemnation. The Lord Jesus saves sinners. Trust Him like this dying thief did. This thief had no time to do anything but hang there and speak. And he preaches to us. A deathbed conversion. Marvelously divinely saved by the one who said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You uh, that we can fear You. Lord, our lives are in Your hands. Our next breath comes from You. All the things that we have have come to us from You. The good things, the bad things. Lord, we know that You're involved in every aspect of our lives, that you touch us in every way, and that outside of Christ we are justly condemned for the sins that we have done. And our 
punishment would be an eternal punishment separated from you. But we know that Jesus is Lord and that He is King and that His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Lord, give us faith. Give us repentance. Give us a life that shows that we believe in You and that can't be denied by those who, uh, who see our lives and, and know that we're real and we live in Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen.